Today's episode doesn't involve crime in the Carolinas, but features an interview with a true crime author who wrote an intriguing book about a case that involved one of the most complicated stories of cyberstalking that I've ever seen. I encourage you to listen to the interview and check out the book, which is now available in paperback. You won't be able to put it down. There is much to love about North and South Carolina, but the two states have also had their fair share of violent and senseless crimes over the years. From murders on the Blue Ridge Parkway, in the heart of big cities or sleepy college towns, and along the coastal waters, some of these stories may be new to you. Some may have happened in your town. Some may involve people that are still missing to this day. But all will leave you remembering to always be vigilant about the people you meet and the places you go. I'm Renee Robertson. Please join me for Missing in the Carolinas. Episode 57, an interview with true crime author Leslie Rule, author of A Tangled Web. Leslie Rule is a Seattle area artist, photographer, and best-selling author of two suspense novels, five nonfiction books, and dozens of articles in national magazines, including Reader's Digest. At 17, she began to work with her mother, author Anne Rule, as a research assistant and trial photographer. Many of Leslie's courtroom photos appear in her mother's books. You can learn more about Leslie at her website, authorlesliruhl.com. I chatted with Leslie about her start as both a novelist and nonfiction writer, as well as her latest release, the true crime book, A Tangled Web. Here's a synopsis of the book. It was a bleak November in 2012 when Carrie Farver, 37, vanished from Omaha, Nebraska. Text sent indicated that the hardworking mother had quit her job, abandoned her son, and cut ties with everyone. Carrie's boyfriend, Dave Krupa, accepted the breakup at face value. Her mother, Nancy Rainey, however, had doubts. I need to hear your voice, Nancy begged. When the texter refused to speak, Nancy reported Carrie missing. When no one saw or spoke to Carrie, more than 12,000 sinister emails and texts were sent in her name over the next few years. Police believed Dave and his girlfriend, Shanna Liz Gullier, when they reported the missing woman was cyber-stalking them. The tormentor was eerily aware of Dave's every move, knew when Liz visited, and threatened the couple. It never occurred to Dave that Carrie was a victim, that the real stalker had killed before, and was planning to kill again. Please join me in welcoming Leslie Rule. Thank you for joining us today, Leslie. It's so great to have you. Thanks for having me. So we are really excited to get to talk about a tangled web. So first, I think we'd like to hear a little bit about how you heard about this case and how you decided it would make a good true crime book. I was specifically looking for a case of a female sociopath, because I think we cannot be warned enough about the dangerous females amongst us. It's too easy to forget how dangerous women can be. And I actually think that makes them more dangerous because we're, not ex we're never expecting a, a woman to be dangerous. Um, when I set out to find a story, I decided I wanted a love triangle murder. Um, because I knew that the one thing that brings out the worst 
in a dangerous female is jealousy. So I specifically looked for that and I found the case of an Omaha love triangle murder where a woman killed her rival. She then um, hit her body and took over her digital identity for the next three years. Nobody could figure it out until an amazing group of brilliant detectives um, took over the case and they were able to solve it. There were so many technical details in this case that could bog down a reader if not written clearly enough. You did a great job of explaining them, by the way. Thank you. Did you have help deciphering some of the information while in the research phase of the book? No, I did a lot of online reading. I, I came across a lot of things I had never heard of. Um, today, it's so easy because you just get online and you read everything you can uh, about a topic and you can learn on your own without taking a class. So it, was, it just was a lot of research. Um, and then I would boil it down to try to make it easy to understand. But first I had to get a grasp on it before I could do that. What was the response like when you reached out to the friends and family of Liz for interviews? Well, um, her adoptive family was tight-lipped. They really didn't want to talk, so I didn't push. Um, but I found her biological family. And she had been separated from them right before she turned three. Um, her, her mother... Um, was hit by a car and killed. And her, her biological family wanted custody of her, but the state took her away. Um, they had been looking for her all of these years. They had no idea what had become of her. Of, of, um, actually, her name was um, Shanna. Um, while she's now Shanna, Shanna Elizabeth Golia, um, her mother gave her the middle name Kay. She was Shet, but she always called her Shanna Kay. Um, when I dug up this information, she didn't even know her real name. And she probably knows it by now because I imagine if she hasn't read the book, someone who has read it has told her. Um, but she was born Shanna Kay. Um, so her aunts had been looking for her. And when I found them, I figured out who they were. I assumed that they had been in touch with her and they had not, they knew what had happened, um, but I couldn't be positive. Um, so I found an email address for one of the aunts. I found actually multiple email addresses, 10. And I wrote an email and sent it off to all 10 emails, um, email accounts. And I, um, I wasn't sure what all they knew. So in my email, I mentioned prison, but I didn't mention murder because I, didn't, I wasn't sure that they knew. So I sent these off. 15 minutes later, my phone rang. It was her aunt. She had no idea um, that, that Shanna, Liz, um, was in prison. Um, she had no idea what had become of her. She knew her last as a, a really sweet little toddler that she loved. And it was up to me to tell her what had happened. 
so I said, it's really, um, it's, it's really hard. It's hard to tell you this. And she said, I can take it. Um, I said, it's a tragedy. And she said, my life's nothing but tragedy. So I said, well, she's in prison for murder. And she gasped. But then she didn't ask me any questions. And I didn't volunteer anymore at that time. Now, after we talked, she and her sisters got online and they found out what happened. And after that, we talked for hours over the next few days. Um, we talked about what would make this sweet child grow up to be a sadistic killer. Shanna, Liz, had um, a sadistic grandmother, uh, a biological father who beat her mother every single day. Um, she had a sadistic grandfather. Her mother, however, was very kind and loving, really sweet person uh, who adored her children. Um, but unfortunately, she was hit by the car. So Shanna then went to foster homes and uh, was eventually adopted. I don't know exactly why she turned out the way she did. Um, some people put up with um, horrible things when they're children, but still grow up to be good people. And, and it's still a mystery, like nobody really knows exactly, but we do tend to see a combination of, um, of nurture and nature. So she went through an awful lot and she saw a lot of bad things before she was even three. I can't remember, was her adoptive family, they were pretty kind to her, right? trying to remember well see they didn't want to talk to me so um, all we know is what she said and she does not tell the truth she claims that they were overbearing um very religious but i did find that when i traced her address history that she continued to live with them after she became an adult so they couldn't have been too bad um they from what I know about them, they seem perfectly nice, but I don't really have any insights into who they are. Hey guys, I'm Jamie Beebe. And I'm Jake Deptula. We're the hosts of the true crime podcast, Strictly Stalking, brought to you from Podcast One. Each week, Strictly Stalking gives stalking survivors the platform to share their stories in their own words. Do you know why survivors refer to stalking as murder in slow motion? Have you ever felt like you were being hunted by a stranger? Would you know where to turn if a stalker was living in your house and you didn't know? We're bringing you these stories to raise awareness about stalking and give you the resources to know what to do if you or someone you know is being stalked. So tune in to Strictly Stalking each week as we dive into the largely unknown crime of stalking. Listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite true crime podcast. How long did this project take you to complete? I would say that from the time I first started researching um, to the point where um, we're going into publication and we're writing captions and that kind of thing, approximately two years. I don't know how my mom did it because she wrote two books a year for the last 20 years of her life. And she was constantly signing books at bookstores. She was on the TV or on the radio at least a couple times a week. I have no idea how she did it because I get stressed out 
having two years to write one book. She is actually very amazing. I, she was the hardest working person I have ever met. I, I did wonder when I was reading about Dave, because he yeah. was such a ladies man, I guess yeah. you could say. That yeah. I kept thinking, was he really okay with talking about all this? But then I know, it was he all was. out in the trial too. He was. And then Cherokee, um, her friend. Um, I felt just like Howard Stern. I love Howard Stern, but um, he asked personal questions about the sex life. And and as I'm sure you remember, um, Liz tried to get Cherokee to agree to doing a threesome with Dave. Um, right. Liz didn't really want to do it, but she was kind of toying with people. And then Liz also told Dave, um, I want to have a threesome with you and Cherokee. And so Dave said, well, I have to meet her first. And Cherokee was married and she really wasn't planning on doing it. She just agreed to it because she was trying to shut Liz up because once Liz got on a topic, she would not let it go. She, did, she knew instinctively that Liz would not actually go through with it because Liz was so, so very jealous. But she pretended, yeah, okay, we can do that. I was just really grateful that everybody allowed me um, to explore and to get in their heads and tell me how they felt about things. Because it, it, it almost comes across the way I wrote the book, like fiction, because I could get in to their heads like the way a novelist could. Um, I, I think except part of that has Carrie, to be- Except for Carrie, you couldn't really get into- No, you know, but it's, it's interesting because I feel like I, I know Carrie, you know, I never met her, but I feel like, I feel like I know her, you know, and I really hit it off with her mom and we had a lot in common in the way we look at the world. But um, my mom wrote the forewords um, for some of my ghost books and I think it might have been When the Ghost Screams. It was one of the books she wrote about. Um, she felt when she was writing her books that the victims were right there with her. Like she never saw them with her eyes, but she felt they were around and that they wanted their stories told. And I, when I was writing the story, I thought about Carrie a lot, you know, and then some heard some things that, well, maybe she doesn't want her son to read that. You know, I'm not going to put that in there. You know, just things that were a little personal, nothing really bad, but we, we don't want all of our information out there. And there's things about me that I wouldn't want out there for the whole world to read. So I, I tried to think about that when I was writing the story, but I, I feel like I got a real good sense of, of who she was. And it's such a waste because she was such an incredible person. If I had met her in life, she would have been my friend. Right. I just felt so badly that her mother and her son had to go all that time with, first of all, nobody looking for her. Right. Second of all, thinking that she may possibly be contacting them, although I don't think they ever really thought that was her. They, they knew almost from the beginning that couldn't be her. Um, when, for those who don't know the story, when uh, Carrie first vanished, her mother started getting texts from someone claiming to be Carrie. But she knew something was off from the start because Carrie was meticulous when it came to sending texts. She wanted the grammar and the punctuation to be perfect. And she would not send a text until it was. 
And all of a sudden she's getting these texts that were not only hostile, uh, words were misspelled and the grammar was poor and the punctuation was off. And she just knew that couldn't be Carrie. But at the same time, she hoped it was because what was the alternative? Somebody has Carrie's phone, so where is Carrie? You know, she feared something horrible had happened to her and it had. And we have the heroes coming in. Anthony Cava, the IT specialist, um, detectives, Ryan Avis and Jim Doty, really sharp guys and extremely caring. They could not have solved this case if they had not worked overtime without pay. They, their whole life revolved around solving this case and they sacrificed a lot. Um, there were issues with their, uh, with their families, with their wives, with um, everybody in their life. And even, even with the help, because as you read, like Anthony Fava had realized he had a brain tumor. He, um, and he, it was supposed to be um, addressed, but um, they were getting ready to go to trial and he did not want to risk um, having something go wrong and losing his memory because he felt it was more important to be a witness in the trial and describe everything that had happened um, with the emails and the, and the um, texts. And there was, as you mentioned earlier, it's, it's really hard to get a grasp on all of this, this uh, digital terminology and what it all means. And, and he needed to be able to explain that in court so people understood. There wasn't a jury, it was a, a judge trial, but he still needed the judge to understand and, and nobody is going to understand all this without Anthony first laying the groundwork and explaining how it all works. So these guys were amazing. They were heroic. They, they were caring. Uh, and they were so sharp. Um, Nancy's, Carrie's mother is so grateful to them. And you think of them as sons now. And then, you know, what, what do they do afterward? After the case is solved, they set up a scholarship in Carrie's name, a nonprofit scholarship, because they want her to be remembered in a positive light. I mean, how many times do you hear about detectives knowing that? And the prosecutors, too. They cared also. Brenda Beadle and uh, James Masteller. Um, all of these people came together. And then there was um, um, cold case detective uh, Dave Schneider in Omaha, who also joined in. And um, all of these people worked really, really hard to get justice for Carrie and put a killer behind bars so she could never hurt anybody again. What has the response been to the book so far? Well, people are astonished by the story because it is just unbelievable. It's, it's hard to believe any of it really happened. How could this sadistic killer, fool everybody around her, murder somebody, and then take over her online identity for three years and fool almost everybody. She sent uh, over 20,000 emails and texts in her victim's name, in Carrie's name. Um, she convinced people that Carrie was a stalker. Um, Liz, 
um, would throw rocks through windows. She would uh, scratch up and paint cars. Um, she would um, harass people over the phone. Um, it just never ended. And she convinced many people, including many intelligent uh, people in law enforcement, that it was Carrie doing those things. So I think uh, when it comes to the story, people's response is astonishment. How could this have happened? You wrote the book. Did the TV shows, did the TV programs happen after the book was published or before or kind um, of in the middle of that process? Before I even found the case, Dateline and Snapped um, okay. did episodes on it. And after I started working on it and wrote the book, um, uh, a producer friend at 2020 uh, was interested. So I worked with them on an episode they named after my book called A Tangled Web. So that happened after the publication of the book. And of course, there have been many, many TV shows now. Um, I did an A&E American Justice interview. Uh, I love that they, show. Yeah. And yeah, we've got something coming up. They um, they have Glass Entertainment has a special they're doing for CNN. Um, I was interviewed for that. Just a you know, I'm sure it's just a small part with me on it. Um, 2020 was really good to me. Those producers were very good to me, and they gave me quite a bit of coverage. Um, but usually, the the author doesn't get much much airtime when um, true crime books are covered. So I'm grateful for any kind of coverage that I get when somebody um, produces a show about the case. This brings us to the conclusion of this episode of Missing in the Carolinas. If you enjoyed this episode, please do me a favor and give it a five-star rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you'd also like to support the show in a small way, you can buy me a coffee over at buymeacoffee.com, Renee Robertson. I currently don't receive any compensation for this podcast, so every little bit helps me continuing to produce new content. We're also now on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, so please like our pages and get started on a discussion of the missing people profiled on the show. Do you know of a missing persons case in North or South Carolina that you think should be covered? Email me at missinginthecarolinas at gmail.com with any details you can share. Cover art for this podcast was designed by Macintosh Multimedia. All episodes are researched and written by me, Renee Robertson, with sound editing provided by Daniel Robertson. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>